Friday and welcome to the Just Baseball Show. It is Friday, November 18th, right? Yeah, we got the date going. In the offseason, all the dates just kind of start blending into each other. Uh, but that's Arm. I'm Peter. Welcome to it. We are talking our top 10 more underrated free agents. Yeah. So Justin Bieber, he paid $1.3 million for a board ape and NFT. And if you have been paying attention to the crypto market, it's now worth roughly $69,000. The question is, the question is, would you buy it now? Or do you think that those board apes, or do you think that some of these players kind of on buy low contracts, is it worth buying or at they at the tail end of their career? So that's the intro into our top 10 kind of more underrated free agents off a little bit of down years. And I'm excited to talk with you, man. How are you? We're both in our hometowns. I'll tell you unequivocally, I would rather invest in a 34 year old Elvis Andrews than a picture of a monkey who is not entertained. Um, That's That's, insane, dude. Like if you bought a monkey, a picture of a monkey for one point eight million dollars. And I know this is me being dense and like, oh, there's more to it than that. I get it. You kind of deserve to to have that risk of like having it go down to sixty thousand dollars. I didn't realize that the board ape community was hit as hard too. I knew Bitcoin was FTX. Heard about that? Uh, our umpires are going to be repping something else across their chest next year. I can promise you that much. Um, and my Miami Heat, their arena that ain't called the FTX Arena anymore either. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would rather invest in these 10 free agents, most of them old, uh, that we're going to talk about today. What I will say is, too, the entire economy is down. And this Mm -hmm. is not a show where we're going to get into that that much. Oh, no, no. We're experts. With crypto being down, it's not like everything else is doing all that well. Um, So I think everyone is just searching for a little bit of happiness. And we're going to try our best to provide that by talking about some underrated free agents, because that's what we do best. Um, So I got five. You got five. But I also want to shout out on JustBaseball.com. We have our top 50 Mm -hmm. free agents. 20 wasn't enough. We decided to do 50. So you can find that on JustBaseball.com. And a lot of the guys that we're about to talk about are on that list. Mm -hmm. And without further ado, without talking about subjects that we don't know, let's just get straight into it. Yeah, real quick, too, before we get into it, the link to that article is in the description of the pod. And also, even if you're not really that interested in like what the rankings are of the top 50 free agents, because you feel like you, you got a good idea of who is what and, you know, where they stack up. This is a great resource as a guide to keep up with all of the free agent signings because so many things happen. They all happen. You know, we have multiple at the same time. You know, things get jumbled together, but we will be updating this article as every single signing goes down. So if you catch yourself like, oh, is this guy still on the free agent mark? I can't remember. Did, did Trey Mantini sign somewhere? 
go right to this article, bookmark it, because we will have it updated within minutes every time somebody signs. No brainer. Why don't we start with you? Go number so, one. And remember, these oh, aren't oh. these are these aren't particularly in order. These are just the five no. that you brought. I have five that I brought. And it's funny when we were collaborating at the beginning, we had three of the same guys. So we're going to be on the same page. Happen. So we found other guys, but we're we're pretty on the same page here. Yeah. So I'll start with the guy that was probably both of our firsts and and maybe not the deepest dive of underrated free agents. But when I look at like MLB trade rumors rankings, who they do a phenomenal job on top 50 every year. I've been reading that since I was 12 years old in middle school. You know, if you look at every other outlet that's ranked free agents, I've been shocked at how low Michael Brantley is. And I know mm-hmm. you were that was probably one of the first guys that came to your mind. You, you had him on your list as well. And, and Michael Brantley's. 36th on our top 50, which honestly looking at it, I I think he should be a little bit higher because this guy just rakes, man. He has absolutely raked for his entire career. He's 35 years old and he's coming off of a shoulder injury, which I think is part of the reason why a lot of people are a little bit deterred and maybe teams might be a little bit deterred. But when you look at what this guy has done year over year over year, it's absolutely remarkable. And, And he was doing it last year again. He played 64 games last year, and before he was hurt, he had a 127 WRC+. plus. He was slashing 288, 370, 416. He already had 1.2 F4, so on pace for another almost four-win season or three and change, which is pretty much what you could pencil him in for almost every single year, depending on how much defense they would have him play. He's probably going to be more of a DH. He can play outfield you know, and, and be fine out there if, if you really need him to. But this is a vet who I just feel so good about giving you at least above average production here, uh, even though he's 35. I've been so Michael Brantley now for such a long time. <laughs> like, Especially I wanted the Yankees to get him a ton. I just think that he fits into a lineup for so many different ways, mm-hmm. right? He can give you the contact, but it's not like he's so old and decrepit that he's not going to yeah. get you double digit home runs. He's a leader. He's been there. I'm a, I've been a big fan of Michael Brantley now for a while. And while he might not get a five year deal, I still think that a two to three year deal, maybe it, what, how much, how much money do you think he'd get on more like a two year deal, three years? Yeah. So this is the crazy thing, man, is, is, you know, MLB trade rumors usually pretty on it. They're really good with the, you know, with the arbitration projections as well. And, you know, they had him pegged at one year, 15 million. And I would give him, Two years, 25 to 30 million in two seconds. Easily. I, I would I, give him three. I wouldn't I, be afraid of it. You wouldn't be afraid of a, of an age 38 season. I mean, but with him, like, are his skills going to decrease that much? Right. The no, bat, I think it, it goes from half and half of outfield DH to full time DH. Yeah. And, and I agree, though, like this is not a guy who's really put much of his value into power, right? I mean, right, he yeah. has not needed to hit home runs to be productive. He doesn't strike out. Actually, that the most amazing thing last year before he went down with the injury is that he was actually walking at the highest clip of his career, 11% walk rate, which, you know, normally he's just been a, a bat to ball guy, usually, you know, is aggressive early in the count, attacks a fastball and and picks up a lot of hits. He was patient. 370 on base percentage would have been one of the best clips of his career if, you know, he played the entire year. So I think he's setting himself up pretty well uh, to age pretty gracefully. Uh, I think most teams are very deterred from going into a contract with a guy off an injury for three years. But even if you give him two years for twenty five million dollars or a little bit more than that, I'd I'd find it hard to believe that you don't get value uh, from from somebody like that. And with the universal DH now, 
I, I would expect almost every team to at least call and, and see what's up because like you said, he, he's a leader and has all the intangibles as well. Yeah, I, I guess the reason why it went to three years, which is aggressive, but I just think that what he's good at will age very nicely. Very well. And um, on the same side of the Houston Astros, another free agent who I always liked, especially, you know, as come from a Yankee fan, I've seen this guy play plenty of times with the Boston Red Sox, and that's Christian Vasquez. And Vasquez was kind of seen as a backup to Martin Maldonado, or at least that's what the Astros played him as but i think that christian vasquez is still one of the 15 best catchers in major league baseball so especially i mean he is a little bit older that's the thing at 32 years old but even if he doesn't hit he's going to give you above average defense he was still last year one of the best defenders at the position he rated very highly in framing still high in his pop time and he finished the season with a 714 ops while hitting 274 but i don't think that tells the full story because he had a 760 the OPS hitting 282 before he came over to the Houston Astros where he only put up a 586 OPS and in turn that gave him a 99 WRC plus on the season I think if he is between 100 to 105 with that defense that's still a very solid catcher with a crop of other catchers which isn't that appealing at a position that in general isn't that appealing. And it's hard to find guys who are at least average offensive catchers that can also play pretty good defense, who also have that experience with a lot of different pitchers who know how to work rotation. So I think Christian Vasquez is a guy that whoever signs him, don't think of him as that backup in Houston. Like he is one of the still the better catchers in baseball. No, I think you bring up some really good points here because if he plays the entire year with Boston, um, you know, which means he would have been the starter the rest of the way. He would have played more games. He would have finished the year probably right around a two F war because he had a 1.6 F war uh, and and obviously played much more sparingly down the stretch, which not only affects you because war is a cumulative stat. It also affects you because you're not playing consistently and he struggled offensively as a result. If he had a two F war, which I think he could have easily been even a little bit higher than that. That would put him behind William Contreras, who was barely a catcher this year, as number 13 in in all of baseball for catcher F war, which is really solid, given that this is somebody that's really not getting paid attention to, at least in the baseball world. I feel like in the baseball community, I'm sure teams are very interested in Vasquez. But how many how often are we hearing his name come up right now? Like, oh, I wonder what team Christian Vasquez signs with. No one cares. But the reality is he's going to help a team. and, And there's a lot of solid teams that would be upgraded by adding Christian Vasquez. So I think he's a, he's a great pick there too. Even if he's a 95 WRC plus guy with his defense, he's going to be an above average catcher. And there's no in between usually with catchers in today's game. It's either the really good ones or the classic, everybody else kind of borderline backup, you know, average regular type. And I think he's one of the few guys that are in between. And the thing that you can point to Vasquez's game that is declining with his age is his power. You see the slugging percentage go down. You see the overall home runs go down. You see some of the extra base hits come down. But if he can still put that bat on the ball and at least give me a 270 batting average, still get on base at a decent clip, I don't need him to hit for power if the defense is still there. Especially for catching. He's a very good, like I said, very good receiver of the ball, has a very strong arm. And if he can hit a little bit, that's better than half the catchers in Major League Baseball. 
and nobody is talking about him being an option for a team where the only reason he was a backup is because Arm, was he probably better than Martin Maldonado, but the Astros prefer Maldonado instead with their r- rotation? Yeah, and of course, I mean, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Exactly. And, and they were doing great with Maldonado. That's probably but what they- Click wanted Vasquez. He was like, we think Vasquez is better than Maldonado. And Dusty's like, well, we see his effect on Framber, on Christian Javier, on Justin Verlander, yep. on Luis Garcia, all of these guys. So we want to stick with Maldonado. And that was probably maybe a little bit of a clash there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that was one of the many clashes that that they ended up having. And uh, I mean, it worked for them. But of course, uh, if if you're going to take it over the course of an entire season, Vasquez is obviously the more well-rounded catcher. Move on to the next guy. Move on to the next guy. What if I told you Elvis Andrus was almost a 2020 guy last year? Like, imagine if I told you that before the season started. Like, yo, yeah, Peter, I think uh, I think Elvis Andrus is going to go 2020 this year. You'd be like, okay. Doesn't really no make any sense to me. I just, I, I, this was a guy who I just didn't see coming at all. No. And, and look, this guy was an all star and yeah. that was in 2012 and 2010. <laughs> right. And, and he's been an okay regular, you know, through the years since then. I think the best season we've seen from him was in 2017, where he had an 808 OPS. And, and of course, as the defensive speed and those things that come together, and some of those things were slowing down a little bit. And then all of a sudden, he just, Kind of kicks it into another gear. He gets out of Texas, 2021 in Oakland. It was like, okay, they're just kind of mailing it in at this point. But then he comes back last year and looked a lot better. And then they trade him from Oakland to Chicago. And if you you know very well, Peter, and when we look at uh, the betting side of things, over-unders, whatever it is, it's hard to hit in Oakland, right? Great place to bet the under, especially like power-wise. It's just, it's a place where, where power yeah. goes to die. 673 OPS and 106 games in Oakland. But even then... He was doing well there. His eight home runs at that point was on pace to, to be a lot better than he normally was. Gets shipped over to Chicago, where in 43 games, he hits nine home runs, has a 773 OPS. So he sees a 100 point OPS bump when he gets out of Oakland. He finishes the year with a 105 WRC plus, a 3.5 F war, and he hits 17 home runs and swipes 18 bags. I don't know what he fits into, you know, I, I, like a good team is not starting Elvis Andrews at shortstop like that. That's obviously the case, but we're seeing a lot of teams just have that extra infielder that can play that if, if somebody gets hurt can plug in and like, look at what Hassan Kim ended up having to be for the Padres. Like, I think Elvis Andrews can do something kind of similar. Is it going to be as elite of a defender? Probably not, but I think he can give you a little bit more with the stick at times. And, I mean, 3.5 F4, 33 years old, and and to have the home runs, the speed, to play solid defense overall as well, too, another vet, that's a guy that I'll happily pick up on a one-year deal. I think much better option than Jose Iglesias, who we saw get picked up and ended up being a decent option for the Rockies. Like, this is a solid fill-in guy uh, or a solid utility type for you that can fill in if you really need to and, and make you feel like you're not losing too much. Yeah, the only thing I'll add is I just think you were underrating his defense a little bit. 84th percentile, that's above average. Like he is, he's a pretty well-rounded player. When you say 3.5 F4, a lot of that had to do with the defense. Like the guy can still pick it. And the most important part is he doesn't have this raggedy ass arm playing shortstop and he's just aging and decrepit as I've used before. Like he can still pick it. He is still a valuable defender who can give you 
a lot of output in a lot of different areas, I guess, like whether it be speed, whether it be batting average, whether it be a couple of bombs, like he's a pretty well-rounded player at this point. And moving on to my next player, I think a decently well-rounded pitcher now that tends to kind of get thrown under the rug uh, because he resembles, you know, a vanilla ice cream cone that look, <laughs> kind of looks like it's melting. I you know who you're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's Jameson Tyone. Um, Jameson Tyone at this point in his career, I think has somewhat dispelled the injury narrative because, you know, coming in 2016 with the pirates, this guy all had a really, really bright future. He was the second overall pick by the pirates out of high school. Like this guy was supposed to be an incredible pitcher. And then he starts out his career and then injuries just get the best of him. But in 2018, he went 14 and 10, he had three, two, zero ERA and 191 innings, very solid season over 32 starts. 2019 gets banged up, misses all of 2020, then comes back with the Yankees. throws 29 starts. Then the year after with the Yankees, again, 32 starts. So this is back-to-back years of throwing at least 25 starts for Jameson Tyon. And at 30 years old, If he's now proving that he can stay healthy, he's a mid to high threes ERA who will throw a lot of strikes and can eat innings for you. Um, I still think he has some pretty good off-speed pitches. I like in Jamison Towns' mix now that he started using that slider a little bit more with the Yankees, and it was an effective out pitch, and the curveball even performed much better than it did last year. Now, he doesn't have electric stuff, but I think he made a tangible change with what type of pitches he throws, and it worked. And if he can stay healthy... I mean, how much worse is he than Chris Bassett, right? I think that's kind of where, what I'm thinking here. Like, is he that much worse than a guy who's making everybody's top 15? And, you know, is he that much worse than Bassett? I guess is my question. I, I don't, I don't, I think that's a fair point. I don't, I don't think he's that far off from, from Chris Bassett. Right. And, um, you know, we look at what, what he showed flashes of last year too, which was when he was on, I mean, he was, he was on, right. We had that, that no hitter deep into one outing. He went eight innings twice. He went seven innings, at least six or seven times. Uh, you more talked about Julio the innings. Rios. More than Julio yeah. Rios. So is he better than him? I don't know. Of course. Yeah. But, you know, like th- there's such a value to these innings eaters and these guys that you can kind of pencil in for high threes, low fours ERA at worst. And yeah, w- was consistency of of just staying on the field a-, a problem? Absolutely. But as you mentioned, look at the last two years, he's now made 61 starts over the last two seasons. You look at his career numbers, a 384 ERA in 143 starts. At this point, I think you can look at a Jamison Tyone and say, this is kind of what we can expect. But what's interesting is you look at the free agent market or the rankings and kind of where he's pegged and it doesn't seem reflective of that. Again, we'll see how the teams actually value it when when the contracts come out. But and when he finally inks a deal. But I think what we'll end up seeing is that a lot of teams will be in in on Jameson Tyon because this is this is what my list is about, especially my list. I've found almost the guys who nobody's talking about. They are not very exciting. They're aging a little bit but there's still good players that we forget about. It's the aging component, right? It's like anytime it's a guy that's getting into his thirties, a lot of times 
unless they're really going off like Aaron judge, there's no one wants to talk about him as much. And I feel like this is a classic guy that we're just not getting nearly enough conversation about that could make a big difference for a team. He was one of the best pitchers on the Yankees. Point blank. <laughs> I mean, he was, I mean, and there was had- Nestor, there was Cole, there was Severino in spots and it was Tyone. Yeah, it was Jamison Tyone who started in the playoffs. Remember, everyone thought he sucked, but he pitched yeah. okay. This is a this is a this is a three on a lot of mediocre teams. Yeah, and he's probably a four on some good teams. Yeah, I'd say he's, he's a solid valuable. four. He's a At solid 30 four years on- old. Where there's a lot of 33, 34, those kind of age guys like. This is one of the better pitchers and nobody gives a shit about him. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he hides right in the middle. Right. Yeah. If he was a little worse and had blow up starts, I think people would, would would know him a little bit more, would talk about him a little bit more. And if he was a little bit better, you know, I think he'd kind of be in that that basset attention range. But the numbers are are closer than I think a lot of people would would like to admit. Um, and at this point, you look at the FIP too, a three eight career FIP, a three eight career ERA. Like it's it, it's pretty consistent here from Jameson Tyon. And I think it's also one of those you set the scene well, too, with the number two overall pick. And, you know, technically speaking, his ceiling when he was drafted was expected to be way better than this. But there's so many guys that are drafted that high with that kind of ceiling that don't even sniff this kind of career. But sometimes that ends up working against guys as well, especially the Yankees gave up a decent amount for him. Was it a good trade overall? I think great for both sides when you look at it now. But that was with the expectation of like this guy better make an impact. He made an impact, but he kind of did exactly what they were hoping. Nothing more, nothing less. And sometimes that almost makes it an afterthought. Like when Pablo Lopez was struggling, I would like to give you shit being like, well, compare Jameson Tyon and Pablo Lopez career race. Thought to myself, well, who would you rather have? Um, I think, you know, than the answer. a lot of people think go, if you're listening to this podcast right now, go to your baseball reference pages and look at their career, ERAs, and career FIPS and all that kind of stuff. And you're going to be like, well, not that far off. Yes. Pablo Lopez is 26. Yeah, they're a little different. <laughs> but so. no, I know. The career area is surprising. All right. My next guy. And th- there's a few guys that I, I want to go to next, but I- I'm going to go to my favorite guy that I'm just going to die on this hill. Mitch okay. Hanniger. Mitch Hanniger. I have loved Mitch Hanniger for so long. And, and when he's on the field, the guy hits. He absolutely hits. But he has had a lot of unfortunate injuries through the years, like one extremely unfortunate injury uh, in the one place where a man does not want to have an injury, uh, yeah. which kept him out for a long time. And then also just just been banged up through the years. But when he is on the field, this dude absolutely mashes. And uh, you look at last year, 2021, so two years ago, technically speaking now, 39 pumps. He was a big part of that, you know, fun differential. No one expected this from this Mariners team. He he was a big part of that, right? I mean, he was the thumper for that lineup. He had a 121 WRC plus that season this year, banged up, only plays 57 games, was on pace for another 30 home run season, though, had 11 homers, had a 113 WRC plus. You look at the career, a 122 WRC plus in 564 games, probably more limited to that DH, uh, you know, corner outfield, split it down the middle kind of you know, role for you now. Um, and so he's never going to be like a, a, an F4 accumulator, though he did have one season in 2018 with a 4.8 F4 and has a 12 F4 on his career. Uh, but this is just a dude that it, it's pretty simple. He just hits. He puts bat on ball. He's going to keep the strikeouts in the low to mid 20s. 
He's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's going to hit plenty of doubles. And it's really about health. And that's why I don't see anybody giving him a, a, a long-term deal. But I would give Mitch Hanniger a two to three a two to three year deal. He's 31 years old and take a chance uh, if I'm a team, because if I need offense, this is a guy that in this price range, I don't know if there's many other guys, you know, in his range that have the kind of offensive impact potential that Mitch Hanniger has. And I think a lot of people are excited about the return of a guy like Michael Conforto, right? But really, because Mitch Haniger is kind of boring. Like we already saw what we got from Mitch Haniger, and it's like, oh, the excitement of Michael Conforto. Where is he going to go? When in reality, let's see. Let's compare those two at the end of next year, right? Let's see who's actually the better player. Because Mitch Haniger, yes, he was banged up, and he only played fifty-seven games, so he only had eleven home runs. But he still has fifty home runs in the last two seasons while being banged up. Like this yeah. is a power guy and by all accounts in Seattle people love him like oh, yeah. you want to put this guy in your locker room wherever he can play right field DH doesn't really matter just get his bat in the lineup and I think any team would be happy to see Mitch Haniger in the middle of their lineup and not the end of their lineup like the fifth no. hitter this guy can hit this guy can hit and I, he'd make almost any lineup better and, and the craziest thing about it, too, is <clears throat> you talk about the 50 home runs. That's in his last 200 and I believe it would be 214 games. Uh, if yep. I do the math in my head quick enough, like that that's impressive stuff. And they were throwing him in center in 2019. So, again, like when you look at, at F4 getting knocked around a little bit, they were expecting him to do a little bit more in left and center and whatever. If you put this guy at DH, preserves his health. I think the contract will age much better and he'll be able to just focus on mashing. He could be right back in that 35 home run range next season. And for what he's probably going to sign for, which I think is going to be in that 10, 15, and maybe a little bit more million dollar range. I don't think it's going to be more than 15. Um, That's a great deal. That's a great deal. Talk about boring. Ross Stripling is pretty boring, but he's not oh, yeah, good. He's like he, like I don't know if you um if you were unaware of some of these Blue Jays guys. Um, you know all the talk was about Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman and how terrible Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi were, but nobody really noticed what Ross Stripling at 31, 32 years old was doing. Kind of a little bit of a resurgence here. Yeah. He had a 3.01 ERA in 24 starts over 134 innings last year for the Toronto Blue Jays. He didn't walk anybody, 98th percentile in walk rate, and his stuff looked pretty damn good. 93rd percentile in chase rate. He's He had great location last year. He was throwing the fastball up in the zone, tunneling off with the slider. But he started throwing his changeup a lot more, and he could throw that pitch wherever he wanted to. Like his four-seam changeup and sliders is three most used pitch. Remember, he sprinkles in a curveball and a sinker, but he doesn't throw either of those pitches t- more than 10% of the time. All three of his most used pitches, the batting average against those was under 240. He gets plenty of ground balls, a lot more than he did in 2021. And nobody gives a shit about Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling clearly found something. And I think he could be worth a two to three year deal and be very solid in a rotation. Kind of like Tyler Anderson. Like people just forget 
because they're not sexy. They're just middling stuff. It doesn't pop off the page on your on your on your Excel spreadsheet with the stuff plus. It doesn't shoot out at you. But these guys get outs and they yeah. figured something out, especially with the change up. Like that's a pitch like Tyler Anderson started using a lot more just changed his grip on it, just changed the way he throws it. That's kind of what Stripling did. And these guys find something in their later years and end up being very solid pitchers down the line. And I think any team that signs Ross Stripling will be pleasantly surprised to find we have a middle of the rotation guy who's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like if Ross Stripling's your four, you're you're in pretty good shape, I think, because uh, here, here's Stripling what was the Blue Jays three. He yeah, was the well, three. unfortunately. Unfortunately, I think I think for a good team, he's your four, which okay. again is a Blue Jays were a good team. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yes, yes. But it, it, the fact that he was their three was part of the problem of why they weren't a great team. I feel like, but like he, this is a dude who can anchor the back end of your rotation at this point. Like I am sold on what you just laid out from last year, and and what I think it took is you know kind of realizing, hey, none of my pitches are plus, like you said. But using them effectively, obviously, the command just reached another level. But he, he mixes everything up and sequences so well. 33% fastball usage, 27% changeup, 22% slider, 10% cutter or curveball, excuse me. And then he goes to the uh, sinker about 8% of the time. So he can go at you so many different ways. And and that really is how he's able to get a ton of weak contacts, keep guys off balance and get outs. And uh, you look at the you know more predictive stats like FIP or XERA. Those point towards that season being pretty sustainable, at least yeah. to some degree. If he's a three five to three six or three seven ERA guy next year, again, I think the market that or lack thereof that we're seeing for Ross Stripling is going to make him somewhat of a steal, uh, unless you know there's a lot more teams interested in him than we think. But it, it just seems like with everything that he put together last year. This would be a, a no-brainer for a team that's looking for some a safe rotation option. How much better is Chris Bassett than him? That was my barometer for these guys. Because Bassett's going to be a four or five-year deal guy, and he's older than Ross Stripling. Is he that much better? Yes, because he's done it longer. Yeah, which is like, fine. Right, like you look at Bassett's last three seasons. In, oh, yeah. in 20, 2020, like 11 starts, 229, then 2021, 315, and 27 starts. And then in 2022, a 342 ERA. Um, yeah, he's like a notch above him. But the price gonna, differential is going to be I'm gonna say. gargantuan. And, and Bassett's older. So he's going to get paid way more and he's older. Yeah. No, I mean, look, if, if I could get... If it was Bassett for 20-something million a year or... You know, one of these guys that you just mentioned, like Stripling for half that. I'd take a long look at the ladder and and reinvest some of that other money elsewhere. That's what I'm saying here. And this isn't taking anything away from Bassett either. I like Bassett. I'm just going to be a great addition who nobody gives a shit about because they're not sexy. And Russ Stripling throws 92 miles an hour and nobody cares. But that's a guy whose skills won't just fall off a cliff. Neither will Bassett's, but it's not a guy who relies on 97. And then if he's starting to throw 94, he's going to get crushed. This is 92 Ross Stripling through 92 last year, too. Just, yeah, he just makes his strikes, up. gets out. Yeah. Love these guys. Love yeah. these guys. So my next guy is 
I mean, it, it, it's tough because when he's on the field, he rakes. And I think he'll rake until he he calls it quits. But being on the field some more to Mitch Hanniger has been difficult. Brandon Belt. And this was one that I know you had, too. Mm-hmm. Brandon Belt is a free agent for like the first time ever. Uh, he was a San Francisco Giant since 2011. Part of, you know, so many impressive Giants World Series teams and competitive teams. And, you know, he, when he, we talked about him because you could draw these, these crazy, you could pull these crazy sample sizes of like, if you go back to the beginning of 2020, and this was my favorite thing to do in 2021. If you go back to the beginning of 2020 and minimum of a hundred games, nobody was a better hitter basically than Brandon belt because of what Brandon belt did in 97 games in 2021. And what he did in 51 games in 2020, this past season at 34 years old, he was banged up and struggled, still put up a 96 WRC plus. It wasn't like he was a total disaster, but what he did in 2021, had he not broken a finger trying to bunt, God forbid, bunting 29 home runs in 97 games is absolutely absurd. He hit 274, 378, 597. That's a 157 WRC plus and then a 171 WRC plus in the 51 games in 2020. Like this dude when he was on the field, not a huge sample size, 148 games. But when he was on the field during those parts of two seasons, there were very few hitters that mashed more than Brandon Belt. Last year was a lost year. You figure you put him at DH exclusively. Like, would you be shocked if he's a 130 WRC plus guy again next year? Not even a little bit. I love Brandon Belt. Like the dude rakes yeah. and he just goes to the ballpark and rakes. I've always loved his swing. I always thought he was one of the most underrated players in baseball. And now he's going to be free agent. And no one gives a shit about him. And he's going to sign to a team and he's going to be awesome. And everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, Brandon Belt's like, no shit. He's really good. And he's been really good. And the only thing that's been the problem with him is staying on the field. That's it. And that's some of the problem with these, some of these guys. And, but like when he plays, he's going to give you very solid production. Like I would fucking, if the Yankees didn't sign Rizzo, like I would love Brandon Belt. That's not a bad backup. And and he played 63 games, 63 of his 74 games were at first base last year. So and the injury that he dealt with was a knee issue and he underwent knee and knee surgery in September. And he said he feels great. And this was a quote from him via Sports Bay Area, which he goes, quote, I know I have a lot left in me and that's what I want to show everybody. End quote. I believe him. He's 34. He's not 38. He got the knee fix. I think he was playing through that, trying to play through it all year. And now that that's right, we see we've seen what he can do when he's on the field. I'm very curious to see if the Giants try to keep him. Or if he finally does go somewhere else, if he does go somewhere else and they've got a a remotely hitter friendly park, especially in the right field, he might be one of my favorite sleeper picks for next year. Because again, 2021, those 29 home runs in 97 games was more than he hit in any other year by more than 10. And that was in full seasons, right? He's played plenty of full seasons. He never hit that many home runs. So this guy was tapping into another level of power at 33 years old doesn't seem like he's slowing down. I think he can bounce back big in a big way next year. I agree. Another player that um, is one of my favorite sleepers, and he's become a sleeper even though over the past couple of seasons, he's been one of the better pitchers in the American League. That's Nathan Eovaldi. Remember him? He only had 20 starts last year because he was a little bit banged up. But this is a guy who throws cheese. Now, he's not the biggest strikeout guy in the world. But what he lacks in strikeouts, he makes up for with really, really solid command. Like, he doesn't walk anybody. 
And the, but the one reason I'm a little bit concerned with the Evaldi was the drop in velocity because in 2021, he was throwing 96.8 miles an hour with the fastball last year was 95.7. So with the Evaldi, I would want to do a lot of digging into his medicals, but if the medicals come out, okay, this could be a guy who signs a multi-year deal and then ends up being one of the better pitchers because Eovaldi as well, like he has a very solid ground ball rate, but the problem is Eovaldi has been continually pitching in big time hitters parks. Remember he's with the Yankees from 2015 to 2016. Then he's been with Boston for a while, like pitching in Fenway and Yankee stadium. That doesn't help your overall ERA. Like I think if he moved to a team that has an enormous ballpark, like I think he'd turn out like much better statistics than you might think. Now, is he, is he, um, as good as he once was, no, but you're not going to pay him to be a number two. You're paying him to be a number four, and I think he has more upside than that if the medicals look okay and he can get back to that type of velocity. Yeah, I mean, he threw 182 innings in 2021. Um, you know, we saw him really empty the tank in the postseason in multiple occasions, and, you know, he, he throws hard, and yeah. it just seems like there's a lot of strain, but if he is healthy... He's a guy that's really figured it out through the years. And you look at his time in Boston, look at the walk rates as, as he progresses through his career, right? He yeah. starts with the Dodgers, gets traded for Hanley Ramirez over to the Marlins. Doesn't strike anybody out with the Marlins. Starts to see the K rate go up, 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 goes to the Yankees, makes some improvements there. And then everything really clicked for him in Boston, you know, just to a different level. Strikeout rates skyrocket, walk rates dip big time. And you could argue that 2021 was the best season of his career. And if that's the case, again, it's kind of like Belt. He's not that removed from this, you know, kind of veteran breakout season. And exactly. he was good last year when he was on the field. So I, I, I think it was right that we already have a report from the Red Sox already offering him a multi-year deal. Yeah, they want him. Um, so I'm very interested to see what what the market is for him because multi-year could be two years twenty-five. It could be two years forty. Like we have no idea. Um, but. If it's on the lower end, this is a guy that's worth taking a shot on, because if he is right, he could be your number two or number three type of starter. And I mean, again, another I feel like a broken record, but where he's going to be priced at in this market, you're probably going to get a discount on that kind of player if he is right. So you're you're buying low when. The market is now perceived him as, oh, maybe he's a bit banged up. We saw the high risk. Yeah. High risk when I don't really see it as a lot of risk here. If it's two years. Yeah. If he sends a two year deal worth even $30 million. Yeah. I don't think that's too bad. I mean, at worst, he's a four starter. That's still relatively worth it. And he has just loaded up with incentives. Yeah. (laughs) That's he did turn down a 19 mil QO. So if you if it's two years, 30 to 32, loaded up with incentives up to 40 mil. If he hits the incentives, that means he looks like a three, right? Or or even even better than that. If he doesn't hit the incentives, okay, you, you took a shot on a pitcher for 15 mil. There's a lot of what did Jordan Lyles get? 12 mil? No, he got seven mil. Yeah. Whatever it was, I, I I don't care. Like it, it's not that much money in today's game for a starting pitcher. So, um, no, I mean this is a 
a slight risk, but the reward here at, at this person, what we assume the price will be, there's not going to be very many pitchers with this kind of upside in his range where we're seeing him ranked in these, you know, free agent top 50 rankings. I don't think anybody's going to have this kind of upside. That's what I'm saying. Your last one. And then I got one more. Yeah. Here's a real deep cut. Uh, if you didn't think any of these guys were too, uh, too underrated, Drew Rachinsky. If you never heard of him, that's because he's been pitching in the KBO for the last four years, but he's ready to come back stateside. He came up with the Miami Marlins, ironically. Um, I think he played college ball at Ohio State, but was more of that reliever type in the big leagues, had flashes of success, uh, and then went over to the KBO and got better and better and better in the KBO. And I did some digging into the data and the numbers and just kind of figured himself out there because he finally was able to just get out there and throw, right? When he was trying to stay in the big leagues, it was trying to survive as a reliever. And you're just kind of in fight or flight mode. He goes out to the KBO and it's one of the best pitchers out there, consistently one of the best pitchers out there and just compiling innings. Last year, he threw 193 and two thirds innings, pitched to a 2970 RA. Albeit the KBO is not the most challenging competition, but in those innings, he was able to continue to work on his craft and continue to build up. And he, at 33 years old, has seen a velo bump. He was averaging about 92.6 miles per hour on his fastball, which is a bump from previous years with good shape to it. His cutter, he started using more and more. That velo jumped a little bit to 88 miles an hour. And then he found a better feel for the curveball. So he was able to see the fastball tick up slightly. The cutter became sharper and a little bit quicker. And then also that better shape to the curveball. All of a sudden, this dude has a pretty good three pitch mix and looks like he could be, you know, a, a fringe five starter swing man type, which I mean, this is a guy that's not sniffing anybody's top 50 free agents. Right. I don't even know if some teams are even aware of him, but this is somebody that I, I think could be a sneaky good pickup for a team. No, I agree. I just I don't know much about him. Truthfully. Um, so what type of contract do you think that he's going to get when he comes over? Like, is there a is there a pitcher in Major League Baseball right now that kind of reminds you of him that you think that when he comes stateside, he can perform like? That's a tough one. It's a tough question. Yeah, um, because, because there's not going to be any I, I would, sexy names. You're not calling it's him. It's so weird, too, because like we saw what Nick Martinez got when he came over exactly. and we were like, what, what the hell? Martinez is younger, obviously. So I think Wachinski is going to get a, a two-year deal. I think someone is going to pony up and give him a two-year deal based on what he has done over the last four or five years in the KBO. Actually, four years, excuse me, where he's thrown 177 or more innings all four years out there while pitching to a low three ZRA. Like I know it's the KBO, but this guy's just done it, done it, done it. And the stuff is getting better, better and better. Think of uh, your classic five starter. That's going to have a low fours ERA. And like, that's what I think he can be, Um, which for a two year deal at pretty cheap, I don't think anybody is really paying attention to this guy. Most guys outside of the top 50 free agents, aren't even going to have a shot at starting. Uh, this is someone that I do think has enough enough ability, stuff in command-wise to to be a number five starter for a decent team. And a, and a guy that, um, my last guy, who I think is worthy of a, another opportunity, it's Andrew Heaney, coming in at number 49 on our free agent rankings. Put up a 3-1-0 with the... Um, with the Los Angeles Dodgers after getting absolutely destroyed in New York. I was going to say, you, you you come around, back around now after your traumatizing experience with Heaney. 
Yeah, no, I, I found it so interesting, too, because um, Heaney was a guy who was signed immediately right mm-hmm. after the season ended last year where the Dodgers just scooped him up. And I thought to myself, they know something about his pitch mix. And I was watching him pitch, too. He just looks like a different pitcher. I think he has a he has a he has a pretty solid ability to locate the fastball up in the zone and mix in his off-speed pitches and at least throw enough strikes that if he stays healthy will be a mainstay in most rotations. And I don't think that he's going to be very expensive because in 2021, he got absolutely crushed. Then in 2022, he showed those flashes of, okay, this is what the Dodgers found. He just had to make these couple of switches here and he can be a guy who has an ERA in the threes, but was just banged up a little bit. So you can rationalize. Yeah. I'd give him another one year, $8 million deal. And then if he stays healthy, he has a ton of upside. Now, he could also revert back to, let's say he leaves Los Angeles and none of that stuff actually clicked with him. It was just a result of working with the Dodgers that he gets bombed again. Not that tough, right? But there is a lot of upside there with Andrew Heaney and nobody's talking about him. I know a lot of fans still think that he'd get bombed, but I think he figured something out in Los Angeles. If he, if he brings that over, I think he'd be. I think he could be a pretty solid pitcher for really Dude, any team. We're talking about a guy who struck out thirty six percent of batters last year. Again, right? right we, we didn't get to see him go too deep innings wise because he was banged up seventy two and two thirds innings. But when you strike out one hundred and ten big leaguers and walk nineteen, uh, you, you got something. my attention. You got my attention, right? Like I'm. There, he figured something out with the like when the Dodgers signed him that quickly, like you said. They were like, okay, there's there's one little tinker away from from getting this guy right, and you know that's exactly what happened, right? I mean, when you're averaging 13.6 strikeouts per nine, like something's working for you. His velo even ticked up. Yeah, um, his problem is always going to be the home run, right? And yeah. then we saw that big time in Yankee Stadium, and we saw it again last year, right? Like he gave up 14 home runs in 72 and two thirds innings. So this is somebody that you know fly ball pitcher, but gets a lot of swings and misses. I want to I want to pick a this is one of the one of those key pitchers where the environment does matter. And I think that was a big reason why, you know, it just at Yankee Stadium. I think some hitters were like, I could just pull. I'm going to go sell out pull side and I could hit a fly ball and I might, you know, might get out if I if I go pull side here. Ball really carries off of him because of the, the the ride he gets. If he goes to a pitcher friendly ballpark, this guy could be a dude. If he goes to a pitcher friendly ballpark, he could be a dude. The problem is he, he is not really stayed healthy. Um, and, and that is, that is a bit of a question, but what he did statistically was, was pretty impressive. And I think there's going to be plenty of teams saying, let's, let's give this guy a shot and see what happens. Cause again, 110 strikeouts against 19 walks. That doesn't grow on trees. I know this wasn't, this isn't the sexiest idea possible, but I was thinking about, you know who I think Andrew Heaney would do pretty well for and go really under the radar. I think if he went to Detroit, and played Ooh. in America, they need pitching. It would go, nobody would notice. It wouldn't make any articles. But he would be a very good pitcher if the Detroit Tigers decided he's a fly ball guy. It's going to be cold here. No pressure playing in Detroit. <laughs> I think he could work on things and be a very solid pitcher for them. I was going to say, Seth- kind of out of the out of the out of the realm of possibilities. 
I was going to say send him to Coors and go for the single season home run allowed record. <laughs> so just ruin him. Complete opposite. No, opposite. I, I think Detroit's actually a great fit. They already like they already forced themselves to like try to be good for the duration of this Javi Baez contract, right? And look, I don't think they're going to spend big on on pitchers. This is a perfect upside kind of addition. And and if your team stinks again, if he's shoving, trade him. Trade him. I'm sorry. And, and, and replenish, replenish the system. I think that's a great option. I also think Baltimore. Yeah. You know, Baltimore, we know how hard that place is to hit home runs, especially home runs, especially now since they decided to make left field the polo grounds, but just in left. Like th- this is this is another spot where kind of, you know, uh, on the same thought process that you just laid out here, it's like I think the Orioles are a little bit different, but you know, they might not be all set to compete next year. I think they're going to be pretty close. If it doesn't work out for them team-wise, flip them. But they need pitching. This is low cost. And he could end up being a big, big, big time piece in both of those rotations that are very desperate for any kind of established starting pitching. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. We missed Jack. What did he say he was doing? He's calling college. I didn't basketball even understand right what he said. He, when he says like the arena that he's calling a game, like, am I supposed to fucking know what that is? No. What did he say? I'm in Muncie. Yeah, M-U-N-C, is that the city he was in? He says Midwest cities and like college basketball terms that we're like supposed so to the know. So the two I'm coast like, guys. Yeah. So I'm the East to, Coast and the West Coast guy. Quote, I've got hoops in Muncie tonight. So it could do after 10 p.m. Eastern. I don't. In Muncie. Muncie, Indiana, I'm assuming. Muncie. Well, that'll do it for this. Muncie, episode. Yeah. M- Muncie, Indiana. It's 31 degrees in, out there while you and I are in California and Florida right now. Um, Look, yeah. Muncie, Indiana. Missed you. Missed you. I think that's from Parks and Rec. That's how I know. What? Is it Muncie, Muncie Indiana? Indiana from Parks and Rec? Is it? It's from I, some some show. It was he really like I was expecting we were expected to know that. Oh, whatever. That, whatever. That kid's so weird. All right. Hopefully everybody has a good weekend. Remember, go check out on justbaseball.com. We now have our top 50 free agents, tons of write-ups um, and tons more content. I also have my 25 predictions um, that might make your head spin a little bit. Arms got plenty of stuff going on um, on justbaseball.com as well. Um, Sunday football picks. By the time you're listening to this, they should be out later in the day on Friday. Arms got stuff coming out on the call up. And of course, follow us at all of our social medias. And we will also have new merch coming out soon. Uh, new hats. Arms wearing the Just Baseball hoodie. Look at that new logo. Kind of fire, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you order yourself some. And uh, we'll see you back on Monday. Arm and Jack will be back on. Uh, I apologize for missing the Thursday episode. I was traveling, but I'm back. And we needed to do some underrated free agents because, you know, we ranked all the top guys. We we're like, yeah, talking about Aaron Judge is great. But who are going to be the difference makers, right? Andrew fucking Heaney in Baltimore or Detroit. And with that, thank you, everybody. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.